You may have heard the old legend, the story of John Henry, the steel driving man. It's set in the 1800s, and John Henry and his hammer, they can get through anything. They're challenged by a man who comes along with a newfangled steam-powered drill to see who could tunnel through the mountain faster, man or machine. For John Henry, this is more than just a challenge of his strength. This is a challenge of proving that man cannot be replaced by machines. Today, you'll hear the story of a modern John Henry, a man with a nearly unbeatable mind. Unbeatable until he finally meets his match in a machine. That's what's happening on Relate. I'm Tamara Stanners, and this is Relate by Zendesk. Today's relationship pits man against machine, but it also pits science against friendship. Yeah, it's a story that revolves around these two uh, fascinating men. This is the fascinating man, producer Andy (laughs) Shepard. Well, I don't know about that, but these two men are obsessed with a game that most of us played as kids. So first, let me introduce you to Jonathan Schaefer. I've been a professor for over 30 years. Uh, my research area has been artificial intelligence. Jonathan has used games like chess and poker to test ideas about artificial intelligence. But the game of checkers is where he made his mark. I find that so interesting. Why checkers? Well, back in 1986, Jonathan Schaefer had one of the best uh, chess software programs in the world. But then along came the Deep Blue Project, which was sponsored by IBM, and he, you know, he realized he couldn't compete. Deep against, Blue, yeah. I remember that so clearly. That was the one that eventually beat Garry Kasparov, right? That's the one. Although it didn't get to that point until 1997, which gives you a sense of how challenging the problem of figuring out chess was. Anyway, with chess off the board, Jonathan turned to checkers. Which has all the same research opportunities as chess. Uh, Checkers has 500 billion, billion possible scenarios. (laughs) Okay, Checkers, 500 billion scenarios. No, 500 billion, billion scenarios. That's a massive computational problem. And the real challenge in this game is how do you create a smart program that can sift through hundreds of billions and billions of of possibilities to come up with an intelligent decision. So, I mean, we could talk about artificial intelligence, you know, for ages, but the real story here is about a very rare, very special kind of natural intelligence. Marion Tinsley was uh, the world checker champion. Marion Tinsley had an incredible mind for checkers. He was the world champion for many years. Over the 42 years from 1950 to 1992, he lost a total of three games. This man was more machine than man. He was amazing. So a checkers match is made up of several games, uh, and he only lost three games in those 42 years, but he never lost a match, ever. How? How did he manage that? I don't know how he did it, but one thing was very clear. He had a phenomenal memory. He would remember things 30 or 40 years ago, and he would tell you the details. So he was a very unusual man, and he had incredible knowledge about the game. 
Uh, I first met him in 1990. Jonathan Schaefer had received permission that year from the U.S. Checker Federation to have his checker software play against a human in the U.S. championship in Mississippi. It was almost a joke because uh, no computer had ever competed in these tournaments and, and had done well. So Schaefer had written this program yeah. that actually calculated its own way through checkers matches. Yeah, and th- I mean, this is the kind of thing we take pretty much for granted nowadays. You yeah. play a checkers game on your computer, no big whoop. But in 1990, this was cutting-edge stuff. So... He brought this program to a tournament in 1990. He arrives there, and he's greeted by this unassuming mathematician named Marion Tinsley. And he welcomed me with open arms and a little bit of amusement because he was curious to see how the uh, computer would do. And later on in the tournament, much to his surprise and to everybody's surprise, uh, he was in first place and we were in second place, and we had to play four games against each other. And we had uh, an epic confrontation, one of the great classics in the history of the game. And at the end of it, it was four draws between us, and uh, it was an amazing result. This was the first time in history that a computer had drawn a game, let alone a four-game match, against a human world champion in a non-exhibition game for any game. Was Tinsley bothered by this? Well, no, actually. I think he was fascinated by it. Over time, Tinsley became a great friend, and we all sort of thought of him as our grandfather. He was very friendly, very outgoing. We grew fond of him, and it uh, made the matches against him much more personal. In fact, after that 1990 U.S. championship, which Tinsley won, by the way, um, he, he offered to play some friendly games against Chinook. And he was going to offer uh, Jonathan Schaefer some advice and you know suggestions on how to improve the program. And so several months later, uh, we had Tinsley fly up to Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, where we are. And we ended up playing a 14-game match. And of course, nobody imagined that we would possibly win a game against Tinsley. Well, the first nine games were all drawn. And in the 10th game, on the 10th move, and I know this very well because this game is burned into my memory. So I'm watching the screen, and on the 10th move, the computer at the last minute switched to a move that it thought was better. And so I reached out and I made that move. And as I made that move, Tinsley uncharacteristically broke etiquette and said, you're going to regret that. You're going to regret that. You're going to regret that. Well, a few moves later, the position's even. A few moves later, it says Tinsley has the advantage. And a few moves later, it says that we're lost. And a few moves later, I resigned. What does he mean he resigned? Did he quit his job? (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I think he was depressed about this. But resigning in checkers is like folding in poker. You know you've lost, so you basically throw in the towel. How did Tinsley know so far out what was going to happen? Well, somehow, he could see all the way to the end of the game. Game 10 haunted me from that 10th move when he said, you're going to regret that, to the final position when it's we lose. It takes 64 moves. 64 moves? Like, how could, how could he even do that? It boggles my mind. Well, you know, the theory is he didn't exactly see 64 moves into the future. Tinsley, through deep search or lots of knowledge, knew right at the beginning of that sequence that he was going to win. 
and yet my computer, in order to prove that it really was a loss, required 64 moves deep worth of analysis. And this was an epiphany for me because there was no way I was ever going to write a computer program that was going to search that deep. And so it made a fundamental change in my thinking about how do you go about beating Tinsley when he had this phenomenal ability to visualize so far into the future with such accuracy. Okay, so Marion Tinsley, Checkers Master, is still on top in this battle of man versus machine. Yeah, but of course, much like the story of John Henry, you know, competing against the steam-powered machine, um, there's something inevitable about this story, and I think Tinsley knows it, and yet he still wants to be part of it. Now, uh, Schaefer and his Chinook program had earned the right to play in the World Checkers Championship, but a computer had never made it this far before, and there were some politics, some serious politics, around how this should be handled. The American Checker Federation and the English Drafts Association decided that they did not want to have a computer playing for the Human World Championship. And Tinsley said, I want to play. And the Checker Federation said no, and he said yes, and they said no. So Tinsley said, I resign. I don't want to be world champion. And the Checker Federations were agog because how, <laughs> you have the greatest player ever, and he doesn't want to be world champion anymore. And so they hastily created a new title for him called World Champion Emeritus, and they allowed us to play Tinsley as the World Man-Machine Championship. The World Man-Machine Championship. It sounds so ominous. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> I know. But remember, this is years before uh, yeah. Gary Kasparov battled IBM's Deep Blue in chess, and decades before uh, Google's AlphaGo beat the world's best uh, Go player. But it was every bit as important and every bit as intense. So the match started off inauspiciously, and um, after uh, seven games, we were down one to nothing with seven draws. And quite frankly, even though the match was 40 games, uh, people were pretty sure that the match was over because Tinsley would get ahead and then uh, he would just build on the lead and it would be over. Uh, but in the eighth game, um, I don't know. Uh, the program played well. Tinsley eventually made a mistake and I'm sitting on stage. All of a sudden, the computer stopped. Everything stopped. Schaefer thought the computer had crashed. And so I had to excuse myself from the stage to go backstage to look at the computer to see what had happened. And there I discovered that the computer had actually stopped because it had looked at every single possible scenario from the current position to the end of the game. And in every line, it had found a win. And so it had stopped computing because there was nothing left to compute. So Chinook won the game? Yeah, but hardly anybody realized it. People were congratulating Tinsley and I thought, hey, we just beat the world champion. We just beat the unbeatable Tinsley. Why aren't you congratulating us? People in the room had not realized that Tinsley had resigned. The experts in the room had thought the game was a draw. A day or two later in game number 14, we, uh, we won again. And for the first time, now that we're up two games to one, the first time we actually imagined that we might beat Tinsley in this match. Okay, so most of the games have been tied. Yeah. 
but Chinook has actually won two games. And Jonathan Schaefer figures his program might actually win the match. This is pretty momentous. Yeah, uh, it could have been, except it didn't work out that way. Well, it turned out the very next day was uh, probably the darkest day in my life. It was a Saturday, and as per usual, I went down to uh, get everything started in anticipation of the games that day. When I went down to the room where the computer was held, I opened the door and was blasted with heat. The computer was in a small room. The lights were supposed to be turned off and the air conditioning was turned on, but whoever the night person was turned on all the lights in the room and turned the air conditioning off. So we know that excessive heat is not good for a computer. And it was so much heat that they had to delay the start of the game because it actually made the room that they were playing in uncomfortably hot. But they finally got back to the match. And then game 18 started. On move 17 of game 18, Chinook is near the threshold of announcing a win. And I'm on stage thinking, oh my goodness, my computer, it's brilliant. It's, you know, that Tinsley guy, he was great, but... He can't really compete with my my baby, my computer. But as I sat there on stage, lost in thought, something very unsettling happened. The computer kept computing and computing and computing and computing and computing and computing. It did not make a move, and we lost on move 17, and Tinsley won the game on forfeit. I was stunned and upset. And of course, what do you do? Uh, I went back to the computer and I found that the computer was hung. So something had gone wrong. The computer was in a dead state. So the computer crashed. Yeah, I mean, talk about dumb luck. So Schaefer figured uh, that the heat caused the problem with the computer because, you know, Chinook had behaved just fine, uh, you know, beforehand and during the rest of the games. In the 40-game match, we lost four games to two. But I always look back at the horror of game 18 and sitting on stage and watching the clock tick down helplessly, uh, knowing that we were about to forfeit that game. So Marion Tinsley remained unbeaten against Chinook. Yeah, but Jonathan Schaefer, you know, after this experience, he became obsessed with trying to beat Tinsley. Two years later, they finally had a rematch and Schaefer came prepared. We made massive improvements to the program. We built some enormous databases that would aid the computation. We moved to a more powerful supercomputer, thoroughly tested the program, and we went into that match knowing that we had really an awesome, uh, an awesome program. The match was played in August 1994 at the Computer History Museum uh, back when it was in Boston. And Chinook was playing really well. Uh, they played six games and each game was a draw. But Tinsley was a bit unsteady for some reason. He wasn't his usual unflappable self. Uh, Tinsley almost lost one of the games. After six games, he said, I'm not feeling well, I resign. I refused to accept that. 
I said, if you're not well, we, we won't play. We'll postpone the games. And he agreed. Uh, I took him to the hospital just to get tests done. But the next day he said, I'm not feeling well. I resign. That's it. No more. We're done. And so uh, in August 1994, we won the world championship when, when Tinsley resigned the match. But that doesn't sound like the good way to win. No, no, you, you want an honest-to-goodness win, not yeah. a forfeit. No, it was truly horrible. Um, later on, uh, we discovered that um, he had pancreatic cancer. And uh, eight or nine months later, he, he had passed away. You know, clearly he was sick during the ma at the time of the match, and, and I believe he knew he was sick. And I suspect that the stress of playing this match uh, weighed on his mind. And, and I think that he probably knew that he was not at the top of his game and he was in danger of losing as, as had almost happened in one of those games. So, you know, even if he had continued the match and if we had won, it wouldn't have been much of a victory. Tinsley was an amazing checker player and to win a match against him when he was sick and not at the top of his game was meaningless. You know, you could argue that winning the World Checkers Championship should have been one of the highlights of my career. It turned out to be one of the darkest events in my life. And for the next year or two, it was like something I just didn't want to talk about. It was too deeply personal and too deeply upsetting. Oh, it's heartbreaking all that effort and not to mention the friendship yeah. developed. Well, you know, the experience changed Schaefer. I mean, beating Tinsley when he was not well, it was kind of a Pyrrhic victory. And it was hard for Schaefer. I mean, he's on the receiving end of, you know, like hate mail from checkers aficionados. Who said things like, you know, you never could have beaten Tinsley in his prime. Or, uh, you know, Tinsley was so much better than you, it's, it's embarrassing that you claim to be world champion because um, Tinsley got sick. I mean, we got all sorts of negative hate mail. But Schaefer wasn't finished with this project. He knew that even though Tinsley had only lost three games in 42 years. Which is really incredible. Yeah, what an amazing accomplishment. It's amazing. But Schaefer knew that that meant that Tinsley, like any human being, wasn't perfect. So Schaefer set out to basically build a perfect checkers machine. And what do you mean by that? Well, so if a computer can play perfectly, then no matter who plays against it, the games will always end either in a draw or with the computer winning. So how do you go about making the perfect checkers machine? With a ton, <laughs> with a ton of computer horsepower. And so literally for more than a decade, my, kept my computers computing until 2007 when they had finally seen through all the necessary scenarios to prove that checkers was a, with perfect play was a draw. In other words, Tinsley lost three times in 42 years. My program would never lose and therefore my program was a better checker player than Tinsley. The program was now perfect. Perfect? But how do you know it's perfect? Well, take um, a simpler game like tic-tac-toe. I always 
win. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, if you, if, you're you're play, right. if you play someone who knows how the game works. Like my children. It's probably always going to be a draw. Yes. Well, it's the same thing for checkers. Just, you know, multiply it times a trillion more possible moves. But I'm still not sure why it's so important to figure out checkers. Well, it's it's like a lot of research, you know, where the applications aren't um, always obvious at first. But Schaefer's program was applied in different ways to, you know, the mapping of the human genome, which was, you know, again, essentially a massive amount of data that had to be analyzed quickly, uh, you know, the way that Chinook worked on checkers. And the technology was also, you know, applicable to the development of certain video games and GPS. So it, was, it was, turned out to be useful how research works and where it finds a home and the type of applications that it can be deployed in is sometimes a delightful surprise. Uh, so Chinook was a major milestone in the quest for artificial intelligence. It's hmm. pretty amazing. Um, and how does Jonathan Schaefer imagine life will change once our new robot overlords take over? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, for a guy who built the program that could beat the world's best checkers player, He's surprisingly optimistic about it. And I, I, for one, actually embrace it. I believe that all this technology is being developed for good and that it has huge potential to improve our quality of life. And I uh, am eager to see where all of this is going to lead. Jonathan Schaefer is a professor in the Department of Computing Science and the Dean of the Faculty of Science at the University of Alberta. His book, One Jump Ahead, is published by Springer. And thanks for this, Andy. It was really fun. Your intelligence is so <laughs> far from artificial. Get it? So you could look at any story about a machine outsmarting humans as a cautionary tale. But we've got another perspective for you over in the Relate Online magazine. There's an article called Rethinking AI, Rethinking Our Jobless Future. And it challenges you to think about what opportunities will be created as robots and AI supplant humans in many fields. You can read that at relate.zendesk.com. That's it for Relate this week. Next week, an amazing story about a couple who prepared for a doomsday scenario in their own backyard, but ended up helping people more than 1,500 miles away. In the meantime, subscribe to Relate for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and we'll get that episode to you automatically. For articles on how to connect with your customers in deeper and more meaningful ways, visit relate.zendesk.com. And for a free trial of our customer service software, check out Zendesk.com. I'm Tamara Stanners. Talk to you next week. Music